On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Rob Murat. He's got a new single out called Love Me Love, which I'm going to talk about that, the music video, and about his acting career that has taken him from shows like Extant, Bones, and the current On My Block, where he plays Coach Ron. So welcome to the show, Rob. Kelly, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I had to sneak in the acting things because I just love the title, Coach Ron. <laughs> As we're, we're filming now. We're almost done uh, fourth and final season. Uh, it's, a, it's a treat. Well, you've incorporated a lot of your acting and just cinematic sense in your new video for uh, Love Me Love that you directed. And uh, I encourage people to go to YouTube, watch it, and I just love a good drone shot. The video starts with a drone shot. It's almost like an action movie. And then later on, you end up in a straitjacket. Then your girlfriend's spying on you on her smartphone. I mean, this this runs the gamut. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those... Uh, it's a played-up cinematic feel, and we did that purposely. And we did it to highlight kind of the absurdity of being in a relationship where there's lack of trust. So uh, by turning up the absurdity visually, I think we're making a comment on those types of relationships. Well, in this day and age, we have so many ways to spy on each other with our yeah. cell phones, people checking social media posts. I mean, what's been your personal experience? Uh, are you a pretty trusting guy or or are, are you just as, you know, um, paranoid as the people in your music video? I'd like to think that this one was more fictional uh, for me and uh, very trusting and, and trustworthy. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things that was, uh, popped into my mind while creating the song. I mean, what would inside of a crazy person's or a crazy relationship's mind look like? And, and, and we landed somewhere around here. Well, we've probably all been there when a relationship has just pushed us to the edge, you know? Hopefully right. we don't stay at the edge for too long. But I think, is that something that people seem to be connecting with? You know, you're, you're kind of going way out there with it. But I think at the heart of it, we've all just been pushed to our limit through a relationship. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's not uncommon to any relationship to have that feeling. It's just uh, to what degree we let that feeling linger and without addressing it. And I think that's part of the whole uh, idea behind the, the, the theme of the, of the song as well and the visual. Uh, you know, how, how, how long do you go without addressing this distrust and maybe finding a way to, to, to quelch it or to make rid of it? Well, one highlight of the video is you feature Adina Fembi, who is mm -hmm. a singer from Ghana, and you you not only have her in the video, but you shot her footage in Ghana. Yes, absolutely. So we set up two production teams, one here in the States and another uh, in Ghana, and that was probably the most uh, challenging part of uh, pulling this, this production off. Uh, I teamed up with two great producers, uh, one here in, in New York, uh, Maureen Aladdin, and in Accra, actually Adina's manager, uh, Kwame Fouke. He's also a great producer out there. And we found a way to pull this off given the lingering pandemic. I, you know, I would have loved to have flown over there or flyer here, but uh, the logistics around all of that was more difficult. So we found a way to do it uh, creatively 
and efficiently, and we pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one thing that the pandemic has, I think, forced filmmakers to do is find more clever ways to film in. You know, at least you save a lot on airfare and travel expenses. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Well, what's it like when you collaborate with an artist, not just, you know, the final song, but how do your two fan bases mesh? I mean, you're introducing Adina to your fans, but she's introducing you to her fans. Is that a really cool side benefit? Yeah, you know, that's. I think that's baked into the entire experience. You know, we, we thought it'd be cool to take this thing global. And I've always had an idea to make this uh, a far-reaching. That's why I was looking in other countries uh, for featured artists. And, uh, you know, it feels like the perfect artist for this song was Adina. And uh, she's got a great growing fan base uh, in, in Africa as well as in Europe. And, you know, I'm doing my thing here in the States. And I think it was a great opportunity for us to introduce each other to our own fan bases, as you mentioned, and, and to grow, to lock arms and grow globally and maybe venture into territories where neither one of us are, are making a current impact. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. she's definitely a high point in it. And I love the little twist at the end. You guys seem like you, you've got a great relationship and then, She's like has like a spy cam in your apartment, and she's you know keeping tabs on you on her phone. I mean, have you ever encountered that personally? I mean, what's the closest you've come to someone using technology to kind of keep tabs on you? You know, I've I've been lucky enough not to unless not not knowingly be spied on. I don't know if it's happened uh, with past girlfriends or or not, but. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, my wife doesn't uh, <laughs> keep tabs on me uh, in the way that uh, it happens in the video. But, you know, it's it's funny because you talk about the twist, which I don't like to mention up front but to, to let the folks get the surprise. But now that the cat's out of the bag, the whole video revolves around the guy, you know, tapping into surveillance cameras in Ghana, and he's in the States, and he's got a system set up to follow her every move. And the video starts with him getting an alert on his phone that she's outside of the normal range she's normally in. So that's also absurd too. So there's, there's a layers of, of absurdity and all of that is a comment on these types of relationships are also absurd. I should put a retroactive spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> I guess I gave away the whole punchline to the video. Oh it's my god. It's all goodness. good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny with the surveillance. Yeah. I think it's growing a little more in the US, but in other parts of the world, like you think of like mm-hmm. England where they have closed circuit TV cameras so much more in public and on streets. And it kind of got had that feel like, you know, the Ghana footage, like if there was like a closed circuit TV camera on the streets she's walking down. Yep, yep. Uh, we we scouted locations. I did some research uh, to see uh, first if Ghana had those types of kind of high tech surveillances, and they did. And as a matter of fact, they just installed a few new ones uh, in the recent years, in the last year or two, and those are the ones you see in the video. Okay. See, this almost seems like this could be you know a plot twist in Bones. <laughs> Or any uh, thriller or or suspense film, 
Yeah. Well, well, this is going to be a, a, a rough segue. I just need a couple quick details from when you were on the TV show Bones, which was super popular, big, long-running show. What was it like to be on this, this big hit TV show? Oh, it was, you know, it was a treat and a, and a pleasure. So, you know, guest starring on that show is kind of a thing that, that follows you along in, the, in your introductions, as in this video, as in this interview. Uh, you know, everyone always mentions Bones because it's a fan favorite uh, worldwide. And it was an absolute pleasure being a part of it. Because when you're on a, an established, really popular show, it's like the regulars, they kind of have their own little family there. What, yep. What's it yep. like to come as an outsider to a, a close-knit, established show like that? You know, it was seamless. You know, you, they embrace the, the guest stars, and as they did with me, uh, it, it, I didn't feel as if I was kind of a, a visitor or outside of the family. They, they, they took you right in, and they embraced me as an actor, uh, and my character fit right into the storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, on your more recent show, On My Block, where you play Coach Ron, yeah. um, that's a, a recurring character. So, you know, it's really cool, you know, guest star on a big show, you know, have, have that experience. But it's also nice to, you know, go a little deeper with something. And it sounds like On My Block, you got to go a little deeper with this character. Yeah, yeah. You know, the storyline revolves around a bunch of uh, high school, atypical high school kids who are growing up in a, a rough part of Los Angeles. And uh, Coach is kind of, um, you know, is uh, a little slightly awkward, but he's also a grounding presence for one of the main characters. And uh, it's been a great ride. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, or I may have mentioned, that we're currently filming the fourth and final season. And we're oh, looking wow. forward to, yeah, we're currently looking to share that with the world when it comes out maybe later this year. And a lot of people don't realize, I mean, it's really difficult for a show to go beyond one season. It's very rare, you know, to go to four seasons for most shows. It is. It is. You know, we feel extremely lucky to be a, a, a part of the Netflix family and also to have the success we've had. You know, this show's first season was the most binged on Netflix in 2018. And I think that's what was a springboard for the, the rest of the, uh, uh, of our, of our seasons in the storyline you know, and Lauren and Eddie and Jeremy, the, the creators of the show, they just, I mean, they outdid themselves with this project because they put together a story that's not your typical story. And that there's a mixture of silliness, but drama and a touch of suspense that I think uh, the fans have really caught on to. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to do a little more name dropping. Mm -hmm. We have to mention that you've also been on Extant, which yeah. is the Halle Berry show. So right. did you get to have any scenes with Halle? Yeah, my scenes, all of my scenes were with Halle, toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Amazing. Was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a treat. I know just walking into that, it's just, uh, I remember the first day, it's just, there's no one on set. It was just myself, the director. It's like, Robert, Hallie, Hallie, Robert. I was like, wonderful. Let's do it. <laughs> that was a treat. That was a treat, yeah. So what did you get out of that? Because, you know, Hallie, you know, Academy Award winner, you know, she's just been in a ton of stuff. What, what, mm -hmm. would, what would you say you learned about just 
her work ethic. Uh, you know, she's amazing. She's she's uh, extremely tuned in to every character she plays. And uh, that was apparent right off the bat. Uh, and, you know, I also learned that despite the awards and the accolades and the popularity, when it comes down to the scene work, it doesn't really matter who you are. It's just two actors playing two characters, and we're doing our very best to pull off an amazing story. And that's how she treated it, and that's how I treated it, and nothing else mattered. So that was a treat as well. There was no diva, no nothing else. It's just two, we're going to work, two actors going to work, and, the, and that, was, that was the fun part. Isn't that the big surprise I think a lot of actors have, especially coming out of school? You know, movies is one thing. It's a little more leisurely, but especially on TV where the schedule's mm-hmm. especially tight. Yep. I, I don't think they realize it's, it's quite the skill to, you know, do your best on demand, and you may not always have that time for the retake. Right. Yeah, you don't have, uh, especially when the, the scenes are complex uh, or there's a lot to shoot on a given day, you don't have the luxury of uh, too many takes. So it's very important to be prepared at all times and, uh, and to do the very best to come in fresh. And then if you add the layer, like there, maybe there's some special effects that are going to be incorporated or some stunts or action scenes. Yep, yep. I mean, for, for Extent, how much of that did you get to be involved with? I was not involved in the actual, uh, you know, stunt work, but, you know, it, it was happening in and around me. I got a chance to watch her do a whole fight scene. I was off camera, of course, but uh, it's it's always fascinating to see the, the stunt team do their work and also to watch the main character participate. It's it's quite a it's quite an experience. Don't you wish you could have gotten into a fight scene with Harley? Of course. Or, or anyone. <laughs> I mean just to, I think it would be so cool to work with the yeah. stunt choreographers and all, and the stunt people. Yeah, I have in the past, you know. I, I've I've been in uh, stunt situations before, uh, and it's not always fun, you know, because these guys really put, uh, guys and girls, put uh, a lot of stress on their bodies to pull off the right scene. So there was a movie I was part in, uh, a part of in Reunion 108. It was a short fight scene, and I actually ended up breaking my foot doing my own stunt. And, oh, wow. Uh, that was, yeah, so that was a couple of years ago. And, uh, well, yeah. see, the whole thing is acting is really physical and not just when you're doing, you know, a fight scene, something physical, but it's, it's mental, it's physical and, and singing's really physical. I mean, yeah. I think that's the hidden thing. People don't realize the stamina you need, you know, to, to mm-hmm. be a, a creative artist. Yep. Yep. And you're, you're, you're telling a story, whether it's on camera or behind the microphone. It takes a, a certain commitment uh, and a certain level of uh, energy to pull it off uh, or to pull it off well. I mean, every, everyone can act, everyone can sing, and it just happens on different levels. And the ones that shine are the ones that rise to the surface are the ones that really commit themselves to, to telling that story uh, with passion and, and the right emotion. Did you develop this discipline when you went to Penn State? I didn't go to Penn State. I went to the University of Pennsylvania. 
Oh, uh, University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Darn it. Yep, yeah. It's okay. I, see, I it's thought I had common this. Era. Common era. <laughs> okay. It's a common the era. University yeah. of Pennsylvania. So, because yeah, yeah. I was listening to uh, another one of your interviews, and, and I yeah. think I, I, I transposed it to Penn State. Oh, well, oh. learn something new every day. <laughs> But um, what did you get out of your college experience? It sounds like you you had a good time there. Oh yeah, you know it's that was a, a great uh, time for me to not only build uh, a, a great network, but also to kind of hone my skills. I think that's around the period where I decided really to do music professionally. And uh, I was part of an acapella group on campus. I ended up directing that group. And um, it was one of the best groups on campus. Uh, and being in that acapella circle also introduced me to another great friend of mine. Uh, his name is John, John Legend. You may have heard of him. And that's where we met. And we're, we're, we remain close till this day. So, uh, you know, it's... Wow. It's, and, uh, and quite a, a bunch of great friends, you know, investors and business partners all kind of came from my, my pen circle. So really grateful. That's great. And then that's really cool that you kept that friendship alive. Absolutely. Because a lot of people in college, you know, they vow to stay in touch forever and just life happens. It's really hard to stay in touch with friends from school. Yeah. Um, unless they're the right friends and, and then it becomes uh, more seamless. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's interesting to contrast you and John Legend because I think nowadays that there's a need for a lot of um, soulful crooners, you know, romantic singers and ballads and, you know, your music, John Legend. I think you've kept alive some of that. I'd say that R&B ballad spark that we used to hear in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you are you a fan of the? I guess they, we used to call it the slow jams and the you yeah. know the Teddy Pendergrass kind of singers, right. and yeah. there was such a golden age of that, and I think we need more of that today. You know, you're absolutely right, and all of those artists that you mentioned, including Stevie, Aretha, all of those great artists are are a great influence in in what I do. And although I venture off in this most recent project into experimental sounds and production, my roots are in that vein, in the in the good R&B, you know, even some good soulful hip hop uh, vibes. So you know that all those artists, Teddy Pettigrass, you know, even Barry White, Aretha, Stevie, uh, they're all in the lexicon of influence. Maybe a little Alexander O'Neill. Alexander O'Neill, Al Green, even Lionel Al Green. Michael Jackson. <laughs> and Michael Jackson means more pop, but you know, Michael is, uh, he was uh, influenced by James Brown and, you know, so a little bit of Prince. All these names that we're dropping here are the greats of the greats and that you can't help but to be influenced by them. The only thing that's changed so much is radio formats. And I think that's tough because you can record a lot of different music, but you're going to be fit into a genre. That's just how you're marketed. And it just seems like it's hard to market, you know, people who mostly do ballads nowadays. 
You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. obviously internet radio has everything and every subgenre. But when you think mm-hmm. of still the radio stations that you can still listen to in your car, it's really mm-hmm. hard to program in just a real soulful ballad. You know, I I tend to disagree. In the middle of the day, maybe, but on mm-hmm. your drive back home, you'll always hear that station or two that has the slow jams, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of the easy ride back home. So if you're if you're willing to kind of run through the dial a little bit, you'll always find the, the featured uh, ballad and and uh, quote unquote slow jam on your ride home. Maybe I just need to move to L.A. to find those stations. <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't hear as many of those up in Washington State here. Okay, I think okay. we need more of those. We used All to right. have some good ones, especially um, we used to have like a classic soul station where they do the throwbacks. You know, yeah. I, I, yeah, I do yeah. listen to just a lot of retro or vintage. I, you know, I do just for inspiration and uh, and because I love it. But I love a lot of the new stuff, too. So, I, you know, with regards to music, I do my best to be a sponge, to mm-hmm. stay in tune with what's happening today, but to not abandon what makes great music great. Because sure. not, all, Cause, cause, not all of cause every, well, is great. Cause, and you're yeah. adding to that. I mean, you're making something new, and we need that. Every generation needs to put their new stamp on things. Right, right. So you know it's uh you know you, you you push the music forward without abandoning what makes uh great music great. Well, what stamp do you want to put on it? You know, what do you want to bring to the table that's a little bit new? Uh, you know, my objective is to be uh, extremely respected behind the microphone as a singer, songwriter, producer, as well as on camera as an actor and and venturing off into the directing. And, and and producing on that end as well. You know, the objective is to fully establish myself as a creative force. And I, it might sound over the top, but that's what inspires me every time I wake up in the morning, is to, you know, really tap into my abilities creatively and share as much of that as possible with the world and to be respected enough to, to make a good career out of it and to support my family. And the sky's the limit. You know, technology lets us create music and even movies anywhere now, but there still does seem to be a value of, you know, living in L.A. and being close to the industry. Are you finding, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a big advantage of living down there? You know, I have a double advantage because I I live both in New York and in L.A. Uh, I'm from New York. I I, uh, have a home here in L.A. I I travel back and forth uh, normally in L.A. to film. Uh, but I feel like those two markets are conducive to what I do, and uh, it's it's easier to network and connect with like-minded individuals who are on the same path as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, especially during this past year, during the pandemic, it's harder to network. How mm-hmm. have you kept relationships and just industry connections alive this you know past year? That's an interesting question, a great question. And, you know, with the advent of social media, I've found that networking uh, using those tools and platforms has changed a lot for me and, and maybe improved my networking skills. For example, uh, there were two songs that came out earlier this year. One was a, 
a big ballad called Next to Me. We put it out on Valentine's Day. And another one came up a, a month or two after called Runaway. Both those songs are going, are going to be on my upcoming album coming out this summer. But we couldn't shoot a physical video for it. So I went on Instagram and found the best animator I could find and reached out to them randomly uh, through direct message. And they got back to me. And it just so happens that we got two animated music videos and lyric videos out of that one kind of networking move on Instagram. And uh, his name is Gio out of Brazil and one of the, the most amazing animators I've ever seen. Uh, and it just so happens it came from a, a pure kind of random reach out on Instagram. Wow. Yeah. So you really are a producer, too. I mean, you, it sounds like you don't wait for someone to knock on your door, you're actively trying to get projects off the ground. I've, I've learned that that's the only way or, or the best way to, to advance. Uh, if, if you are willing to commit yourself to, to stretch, you, you've got to take, you've got to take actions into your own hands. You can't wait because if you wait, you, you might be waiting longer than you want to. Mm-hmm. Well, it was so, um, I think, in my opinion, very successful collaboration with Adina. Has that given you just the urge to want to reach out or just say, hey, I'm, I'm watching people on YouTube. I really like this artist. I want to work with them. I'm going to reach out to them. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm, I'm always uh, up and looking up to and looking for a, a great collaboration. And this experience has proven that if you're connected with the right artist, greatness can happen. Something special can happen. And I do believe this collaboration with Adina was truly special. Mm-hmm. Well, now that a lot of restrictions are being lifted and people are performing live again and audiences really want to come out and hear live music, yes. you know, what are, what are the first live music things you'd like to do this year? You know, once we... Once we are done with uh, filming this show here, uh, we do plan on doing something that that has an, a live element to it where folks can come out and enjoy a live performance. I haven't done that in quite some time, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. You know, so much right now is about uh, music festivals, you know, Coachella and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd like to do? Is there like a big outdoor summer music festival you've dreamt of doing? Uh, maybe not dreamt of, but, you know, I'm a fan of being where you fit in. So Coachella or a similar platform uh, is, a, is, a, is welcoming of me and my music and, and my performance. Because when we, when we hit the stage, we don't, we don't mess around. I come with the, uh, with the full band, the horns, and DJ. It's, it's quite an experience. So wherever we fit in, We'll, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. gladly take the stage. And it's also real popular to do tours with, you know, multiple bands, you know, traveling together. Sure, yeah. If, if you could craft, like, a tour with like-minded musicians that you think would really complement each other, how would yeah. you program your ideal tour, and who would the other artists be with you? Oh, that's an unfair question. <laughs> I know, it's a big uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a heavy one. You know, um, I don't know if I'd name any artists now, but, you know, I I would just, I'd leave it at 
I'd be flexible and I'd love to, you know, especially after coming out of a pandemic and we're still slowly kind of getting ourselves out of that, but folks are itching to see live music. And I don't think there's a city or area or region that wouldn't be welcoming to a great tour or a great show. And yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring that and, and, and seeing what comes of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone always thinks, oh, you know, musicians want to be the star, the center of attention. But it's nice to share the wealth a little bit, too, and collaborate. And, you know, I, I think that's why people are loving th- this whole festival format. You know, mm-hmm. the people do want a big love fest. They do want to see people interacting with each other. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I'm a fan of festivals and, and touring with a, a bunch of artists or being part of a showcase because that amplifies the experience. You know, when you're alone out there, it's great and, and you can do your own show, but it's more interesting to have some diversity, you know, so that you kind of, it, it, it makes it, it, it makes it more tasteful. It adds more flavor to it when you have a bunch of artists or a bunch of bands mm-hmm. that you can come in and experience at one, in one shot. You'll feel like you went home with something uh, that you could you couldn't have gotten with just one performance. If that makes sense. That, yep, totally makes sense. Now, didn't I promise I might throw out a little surprise to you? Oh gosh, you did, you did, you did. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> on one of your credits, it said you're also a voice artist, and that yeah. you uh, I think did some narration for an ESPN TV campaign. Oh yeah, so we we voiceovers are are a big part of uh, what I do. I'm, a lot of the ESPN work. I've also did announcing for award shows and uh, you know festivals. Uh, you know, so that's part of my uh, my basket. Well, ESPN, yeah. that's a biggie. Was that fun? It was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, and it was it. It was quite a, it was over a span of a couple of years. I've done a few kind of lead ins for them and um, show announcing and, and PSAs. And it, it, they're a great company to do work for. There's so yeah. many just hidden little nooks in show business. Yeah. And, and a lot of those are invisible to people. But mm-hmm. I mean, ESPN is a great gig. I mean, massive network. And I'm just wondering, you know, and everyone also has their own feel to it. Like, what's the feel when you go into work with ESPN? What's the whole tone of that channel for you? Um, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you know, they, they, there's an established tone of, you know, make sure that there's a lot of energy and the energy that fits the tone of the uh, of the visual. You know, it's, it's sports driven, so there has to be a, a, a kind of an alert intensity. In, in the vocal, and, uh, and that's what we establish when we when we uh, when we do work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you're a Lakers fan. I am not. I am a <laughs> I am a Knicks I'm a Knicks fan. I, I'm a Lakers supporter. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Lakers supporter, but I, I'm I'm originally from New York, and I'm rooting for my hometown Knicks to f- find their way. Uh, they made it into the playoffs, and it was a lukewarm performance this year. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm believing in, in their potential. I was kind of figuring you'd be faithful to New York. It's a tough, it's a tough, <laughs> tough, tough ordeal being a, a Knicks fan. 
Uh, it requires a lot of therapy, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know you got to hang in there. And with, with well, the neighboring Brooklyn Nets, it's uh, well. I'm just hoping that if you work for ESPN, that one little perk is that they throw some free tickets at you every now and then. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll put you in touch with them, and maybe you can kind of drop a hint. <laughs> or or like they upgrade you to their box at the stadium or something. Exactly, exactly. I, you know what? I'm I'm gonna pass along their information to you, so maybe you can kind of make a make a pitch for me. <laughs> I'm gonna make a stand for that. That you get yes. upgraded to the box. <laughs> <laughs> Please, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, I have a few more questions. We're gonna wrap up in a little bit here, but I just doubly want to make sure people know where to find you online and to see your videos and just learn more about you. Yeah, uh, on social media, on Twitter, you can find me Rob Murat, R-O-B-M-U-R-A-T. On Instagram, it's Rob Murat Official. Uh, and uh, my website is robmurat.com. And videos available in, on YouTube and in uh, potentially in your neighborhood screens and on your TV uh, in the coming weeks and months. Excellent. Well, I'm just curious now because, you know, we're learning about you as the artist, but I just see so much of you coming through as the producer, too. And I really do admire artists who also, you know, become producers because it's it's way more work than you always think. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like switching from performer hat to producer hat is not an easy thing. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's like you don't get to be everyone's friend when you're the producer. You have to make the hard decisions. You have to really compartmentalize things. But it sounds yeah. like that's something you're really embracing. Do you see that a direction you'll be going even more into? I do. I, you know, as an independent artist, you've learned to take on or put on as many hats as you can to pull off an objective. So I've been doing that for years, you know, from designing your own website to your own flyers to producing the music to writing the music and venturing into acting and, you know, taking the necessary training. And then if if you won't get cast in something, then you've got to write your own stories and put together a team. So I think it's all driven by what the end goal is. If you have a, a worthy objective, then you're willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And I think that's a trait of a producer or some of the best producers I've studied. So, yeah, I see myself doing more and more of it and uh, pulling in as many uh, uh, individuals as possible to help pull it off. And the new album you said you're going to put out this year with some of the songs you've just put out. Do you have a title for that album? Uh, We have a tentative title, but I can't share that now because it's not set in stone. But uh, it may very well be uh, titled after the upcoming single, which will launch us into the album. Are you going to do any cover songs on the album? No, not on this project, no. So if you ever do, uh, in the future, a cover song, Mm -hmm. like one of your favorite um, slow jam ballads, which one would you like to record? (laughs) by nature, I, uh, I'm less inclined to do covers, uh, and that's just who I am as an artist, uh, because I respect the original. But say it was just one, one time only, 
And, yeah. and all all the profits were going to go to going to go to your favorite charity. So you had this huge yeah. motivation. What mm-hmm. would be that one time ballad to honor a singer you really admire? Yeah, and I was going I was going to continue to say, but I do do covers. And if I were to find a way to flip this song in in my range and pull it off uh, nicely, one of my favorite Stevie Wonder songs is Overjoyed. So uh, that would be uh, an amazing cover to do. Very good. I heard you um, online. You did a cover of Adele. Was it um, Someone Like You? Yes, Someone Like You. That was a treat. That's one of the few covers we've done live. Uh, and uh, that was a great treat. Uh, me at the piano and the, the the full band kind of morphed it into something of our own. So that was that was great. That was in New York uh, a couple years back. It's really important when you're performing live to create those magical moments that you can only get when you're performing in front of an audience. Yeah, well, that's the point, right? Is to to give the audience something that they can go home with remember forever right to make an impact that the best shows are those shows that you know not to sound corny but that change your life like i'll always remember some of the best shows i've i've and concerts i've attended an element of them you know because they impacted me in in a certain way and that's what i look to give to folks when i perform live or do anything act or put together a music video be memorable be memorable. All right, final question, bringing it back to Love Me Love, your yep. song uh, featuring Adina Thembi. What is your advice to people if you suspect your uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, mate is electronically spying on you? <laughs> uh, what's the title of that Jordan Peele movie? Get Out. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Good answer. All right. His name is Rob Marat. He wears many hats. The latest single is Love Me Love. And I think we're going to be hearing a lot more from you this year. So please don't make the title of your new album a secret for very long because I want to hear it when it comes out. Kelly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the time. 